0: Welcome. We're all laughing and smiling because they're cutting jokes right before we film, but it makes it all fun. It's Thursday night. It's my birthday, by the way. Yes. Happy birthday, right? Happy birthday to, w- you. to me, and we have, I think, carrot cake waiting at we home. We do.
1: Fresh, out of the oven, ready to be iced as soon as I get home. Oh. It's not iced yet. That's how fresh. Let's
0: just have a moment of silence. So, yeah. Mm, amen. It's gonna be good. Well, thank you so much. It is Thursday, my birthday, so... Uh, But, you know, here we are and we're thankful for you. And I just want to say that from Robin and I, that through all of this, uh, you know, going through it, I say it every week, but I I want you to know my heart about it is we just miss you dearly. Uh, You know, we we do the best we can do every week with the video to come into your rooms and, and encourage you weekly as we move forward. I hope maybe next month we will be back gathering. But as I say all the time, uh, it's often in a crisis that your faith will be best revealed. You, you will know really what you believe when you hit a crisis. So what this has done for me uh, for the first time in 30 years of pastoring, you know, this moment of quarantine has really made me go and just reassess my faith as I do when I find myself up against a wall or I feel challenged or nervous about life or you know family things money things future things i always dive into you know trying to connect god and my faith to it and connect what's going on and what i've landed on in this you know about the gathering when we come back together and i hope it's next month that's what i'm believing for is that the gathering is supernatural not just a natural production but and so i look forward to coming back because that's what's been on my heart for the last month is this gathering thing we call church when we come together and we you know it can easily be a production but that there's supernatural things that are happening so every day on my drive into work i've just been pondering the supernatural things of the gathering and i'm looking forward to coming back sharing all that with you and then seeing god do some supernatural things that uh, at Believers Church. I've believed it my whole life, and since we've been here since 2012, I have believed that God is going to do something incredible on the corner of Pope and Beaumont. So be believing as well that God is going to do some things, and we have some good news when you come back. We'll surprise you with it. It's kind of a, a surprise that we've been working really hard on, and I know you'll be blessed when you get back. But today, uh, tonight, as we're recording today for you on a Sunday or whenever you're watching this, I want to go back to this thought that has been heavy on my heart and it's how strange the disciples that we all talk about, you know, Paul, uh, Peter, James, John, all of them, Mary Magdalene, all the people that followed Jesus, and then on the day of his resurrection, none of them believed it. And that just kind of blows my mind that you could follow him, see the miracles, watch what he does uh be part of it hear all of his sermons and the end result is when he when he does what he says he's going to do you're like yeah i don't believe it none of them expected it none of them thought that he would he would come back and that's kind of puzzling to me because we kind of have this romantic idea of these these people that followed him it's almost as we put them on a pedestal they don't seem real but they're just real they're trying to figure it out they're trying to understand the reality of Jesus's resurrection. And here's the strange thing that I want to kind of lean toward in the next few weeks is the thinking of what happened in the 40 days post-resurrection that they go from doubting, skeptical, nervous, fearful to who we're going to talk about tonight that's often called doubting Thomas. And they all die for it. They all die for their faith. They, they're crucified. They're burned in oil. They're hung upside down. They're beheaded. Uh, they're burned alive. Uh, it's, if you go read the death of the early Christians, it's just morbid. Uh, you know, it can really discourage you. And so that, that is something that makes me go, it would have to be real. It was just what we talked about last week the reality of resurrection would have to be real. Because who's going to be burned alive for something that's fake? You know, I know now we're, we could be delusional and say, oh, that's just delusion. But, but when you look at, okay, well, 12 delusional people, 400 delusional people, thousands of delusional people that are, even today in today's society, that are beheaded, uh, that are persecuted. And to me, if it's fake, who's going to... Who's going to allow their family to be persecuted? You know, you and I know Brother Moses Chowdhury from India, and you know, several of his pastors, it, they get persecuted, uh, come by their home, take their family out, persecute them, beat them. Uh, one of them got their car blown up and, you know, it, to, to just quit preaching the gospel. So to me, if it's not real, man, we're hanging our hat on a nail that's really flimsy uh you know and especially american christianity because we're like god didn't answer my prayer he's probably not real god didn't do what i wanted him to do he's probably not real and yet you you read about the early christians and then christians in other cultures who aren't as blessed as we are who uh, man they just die for it and so in this time uh in this quarantine it's just made me you know not to sound preachy but it's it's made me look at myself and and even evaluate me and go i just feel like i'm falling short like i don't have the. i I want that kind of faith i want the faith that says i would die for it i you know and so i've just been praying god show me me show me my faith that's what i want you to do after hearing what we want to share with you today i know robin's got something she's going to share about the reality of god Here's what I'd like you to do. Get your communion ready. We're going to do communion at the end as we always do. I want you to grab your Bible. Take a moment, get a Bible and a pen. We're going to jump right into the Bible. And I want you to really hunger for what God has put on our heart because I think it's, it, it's a message that Jesus can grab hold of you and really do something supernatural for you in, in your home, in your heart, wherever you are. Let's just jump right in. It's John chapter 20. Uh, and all week long, you can follow along with the Bible Reading Project. You can go to the website. Uh, We are doing the Gospel of John all week long, and uh, John chapter 20, that is, so that same chapter. So jump in with us, read this chapter. We're going to read a few verses out of it tonight, but we want you to read it every day, get with the family, read it to the kids at night, and really let the Bible become part of your daily faith walk because I find it hard... To work with faith when it's not let's just jump right in if we will it's gonna be good I believe John chapter 20 verse 1 we're gonna read about 10 verses down and then jump all the way down toward the end to a guy named Thomas early on Sunday morning verse 1 while it was still dark Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple and the one whom Jesus loved and she said They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that covered Jesus' head was folded up by and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple, who had reached the tomb first, always also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said, Jesus must rise from the dead, and then they went home. Verse 24. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hand, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wounds in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And that's what we want to talk to you tonight is first this thought of the reality of the resurrection in these early disciples. Here it is when when Mary comes to the tomb and says, I have, I don't know what they've done with his body. Like, even in her mind with that statement, she, she is thinking somebody stole him. She's not thinking he's come back from the dead. She's just thinking, ah, somebody took his body. And then it said, but they remembered that the Scriptures talked about it. And then I like what verse 10 said because it's typical of many believers today. They just went home. Can you imagine three years walking with Jesus, following Jesus... Hearing everything he says, he comes back from the dead just like he said, according to scriptures that you know to be true, and your only response is, I'm just going to go home. I mean, that's about all I can muster up is, I'm just headed home. And then Thomas comes in and says, I don't even know if I believe it. I'm going to have to put my hand in his side. And Jesus says, okay, you want to do that? Here you go, Thomas. Here's my hands. Here's my side. And I love what he said. He said, my Lord and my God, I believe. And Jesus' testament is very prophetic because it comes to us today. We're more blessed than Thomas, who've never touched him, never seen him, never put our hands in his side because Jesus is leaning us to this issue of faith. The reality of the resurrection being by faith because of what Scripture says. If you go study Thomas, Thomas is this, and I think it's kind of you know sad that We take a guy named Thomas who just was inquisitive, you know, his faith is inquisitive. He was probably the guy in the room that's always like, explain it to me. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Oh, convince me. And so, you know, we label him Doubting Thomas, but the moment he believed, Thomas will be the one that will go into India, and he's murdered in South India for his faith. He goes to preach the gospel into the nation of India and he dies for it. To me, if it's really not real, if Thomas had not had a real experience, why would he leave home? Why would he leave everything he knew to be true, to travel all the way to southern India on a mission journey to preach Jesus to the most dark, remote people's heart? You know, that's one of the comments that was made, is that the hearts of the people that he was meeting were dark. They didn't know the Lord. And that goes to prove to me the reality of the resurrection, at least for them and i think the truth for us today one thing we do have even though we don't have the you know the physical jesus here with us right now to put our finger in his side or his hand one we have the scripture and that the bible says it so there's this an aspect of believing in jesus and, and it's weird it's it, it is because the bible says so and we'll, we'll prove it and there's there's this weird thing about jesus that it, it's a fake thing meaning that it won't always make logical sense. It, it won't always uh, seem like it's going to click with everything in the natural. There's a supernatural side to, to faith in God, and, you know, and I believe there's a thousand ways. We could spend hours here going, okay, well, all the proofs of Jesus, the people that followed Him, uh, and I say that all the time, is that we're 2,000 years removed, and we're still telling the story. To me, if it was fake, And people are dying for it, Ah, it just doesn't seem like it it would have endured over 2,000 years. But here we are in 2020, and you know, Jesus, I guess, was prophesying to us because he said, Mark, Robin, you know, whoever's watching, if you're more blessed if you believe in me and have never seen. And there's the part of me that goes, okay, great, that's romantic but I, I, I want to touch you, Jesus. I want to know you." And he said, well, good, but those who believe anyway, they've never seen him. And I haven't, I've, I'm, you know, I've never had a vision of heaven. I've never seen an apparition of the physical Jesus appear. But in my heart, I'm 100% certain he's real, he's alive. My myriad of stories of God's reality. So I would like you, you know, if you would, uh, here we are, you know, how did Jesus become real to you? Like, you could convince somebody of his reality in your life, what you've seen, uh, his character, his grace, his, you know, and and share. I know the story, and it touches me every time I hear it, but a lot of people may not know the story of God's redeeming work in your life, even when you maybe weren't even pressing into him, but he was working anyway. So.
1: Yes. Um, you know, I, I think one of the first introductions that we have to the Lord um, comes just through the written Word. So I think even, you know, just whatever age you are when you're born again, that's one of the first things that people will tell you. They'll say, go read your Bible, you know, get to know the Lord through the Gospels and, and just through reading the Word. And um, through my life as I began to to delve into um what my brain could wrap around just this idea of Jesus, I bump into the Bible, and and this story of redemption is played out before me. And I, I go back through my life, and I see it time and time again. Um, I was born again at seven at a VBS camp um, with one of Mark's favorites. It was through a puppet skit that uh, actually the Lord began to tug on my heart. But as I as I think about the story of redemption. Um, at a young age, I began to realize that the Bible wasn't just the story of redemption for God's people or for the Israelites, and it wasn't just about a baby that was going to be born that was going to come for them, but it became very personal to me, and that that God was writing a story not just that I could open up and read, but He was writing a story in my life. And I, I truly believe that that's what He wants to do for all of us. He wants to impact our world so much that our relationship with him becomes so personal that he is actually writing the story of our life. And I think the the flip side of knowing him is that I think there's an enemy who wants to um, imprint our life as well. And I think he wants to create and make um, a a story for us that that would unfold. The Bible actually talks about um, you have a, a, a choice. You have father who is god or um, if he is not your god then satan is your god and so through my life i've seen this this hand of god come and begin to shape my story from before i was even born Um, and it's a story of goodness and there's just absolutely no way for me to um deny the fact, no, I haven't seen Jesus. I haven't walked. Um, I haven't even been, um, you know, to the Holy land. I haven't even been to where he was born. Um, so there, there's nothing about my life that in the natural I could touch him. But when I look at the goodness of God that just has become his story over me, I'm just overwhelmed, not just with gratitude or with, um, I don't know, not just with peacefulness, but with a reality that he is real. Um, and I believe that, um, You know, just like when we look at Scripture, we see God being a very generational God. um, And we see Him weaving Himself throughout the generations just to bring us salvation. Um, I look at my life and it is the same exact thing. Before I was ever born, um, I know that He was uh, orchestrating life through my mom and, and through my dad. And my mom and dad both came from extremely dysfunctional um, backgrounds and and their stories were not good and so before I was born I believe that that God I don't want to use the word snuck but he showed up in the picture um, and my mom was willing at a, at a young age amidst the dysfunction um, in, in the midst of everything that was going on in her life which was horrendous she was bold enough and strong enough and um, the Bible says the kindness of God, it draws men to repentance. And I believe somewhere in her childhood that kindness just began to pull on her heart and she responded to that. She she didn't necessarily have circumstances that was changed, but I, be, I believe that that was the beginning of God's good story for me is that she responded to the tugging in her heart of who he was. And it set a course to... Um, to draw a line in the sand, so to speak, of what was going on generationally um, in in my past. And so uh, I was born to a single mom who had cried out to the Lord at an early age, and um, when I was born to her, she she made a decision. She said, God, I've heard you from the time I was a little girl, and for whatever reason, um, I've ran or I haven't been able to, to give my life fully to you, but at this moment I'm, I'm going to. And so I believe my birth marked just a, an, ex, a, a, an exemplary change for what happens in somebody's life when they invite the Holy Spirit and invite God to be there. So that single mom took me and I believe that the story of my life um, just began to be shaped by the hand of God. There's just absolutely no denying it. My dad, birth dad, was not in the picture. So she married um, a a guy who she fell in love with a couple of years later, so I was two. And uh, that dad adopted me. He was the only father I knew until I was five years old. And when I was five, he and my mom were in the middle of a divorce. Again, tons of dysfunction that she's working her way out of. because God is changing the story. He's changing the course of history for, for my bloodline, I believe. Um, and anyway, in the midst of their divorce, he committed suicide while she was on the phone talking to him, So, which was, I'm sure, incredibly painful for her to go, go through. Um, but somehow, the hand of God protected me both from a dad who I didn't know, who, who wasn't there, who did not want me, um, protected me from the fact that I had a father who committed suicide, um, and when I was nine, my mom met the guy who I call my dad today. Um, he's never been a stepfather to me. He was a man who who had a history similar to that of my mother's of extreme dysfunction. Um, how they connected had to have been a God thing, that these two people connected, and... Um, their lives, they began to, when they began to do life together, they began to run and chase after the things of God as best that they knew how. And um, so I believe just the grace of God was covering me all along the way. So as a child, when I I was born again at age seven, uh, you can imagine, you can fill in the blanks of, you know, what could have been going on in my mom's life and her mind and her trying to gather herself spiritually. Um, When I was seven and got born again, probably between the ages of seven and 13 or 14, my salvation was was purely rooted in the fact that um, I had a mom who knew God and was was pulling me towards him. And I knew that the goodness of God was keeping me. There was absolutely no way. I would look around at friends who had situations who were not as bad in the natural as, as what I had lived through, and their lives were f- just filled with turmoil and torment they were sad and somehow i could sense the goodness of god over my life which is which is really strange but he was always he always provided for me I was not a kid who was riddled with nightmares, or fear, or terror. Um, I had had three dads by the time I was nine, and yet there was just this calming peace over me. And I attributed that to just, God is good and God loves my mom, you know, and that's just kind of kind of how I walked with it. But when I was um, 14, 15, 16, during those age brackets, the goodness of God just came running headlong after me personally, and my walk with Him became a very personal personal walk and I could sense him pulling me um, into a relationship with him that was extremely intimate and that was about to cause some changes in my life. And I I did the same thing that my mom had done. Surely because I knew that he was good. I had watched her life. I had watched the dysfunction of her life. I had watched her do a 360 and just the, the things of God had manifest in her life time and time again. And so I knew it was something that I, I just was gonna run after for myself. And so I began to step out, chase after God. Um, I was extremely um, just probably vulnerable as a teenager. Um, and so there were a lot of times I looked for the wrong kinds of attention from guys um, I liked the Cute bad boy so to speak. Um, I was pretty popular in school cheerleader president of some clubs uh, Just one of the cool kids so to speak and I made a decision that none of that Uh, meant more to me than knowing Jesus to the fullest extent that I could. And so I took off um, and went to a Christian school about an hour and a half away from my house. I was also going to church an hour and a half away from my house for four-hour services. So um, I've just got this history with God that was whatever it took, um, whatever had to be done, there were no limits with Him. And I think because of that, I have reaped incredible benefits off that. So he he began to show his goodness to me and his mercy, not just to my mom now, not just to my dad, but he began to show that to me. And the desires of my heart began to, to be fulfilled. I was able to go to a Christian university that I wanted to go to, I went to that Christian school um, my senior year and um, left and went to ORU and uh, just started chasing after the calling of God on my life and the whole time I'm thinking somewhere along the line I should really be bumping into something bad here some sort of dysfunction or some sort of turmoil because if you you just in the natural cannot look at a kid who has had three dads one who has committed suicide and one who never knew them and not think you know that she's got to have some kind of of something there. Um, and Mark may think you've got a lot there that <laughs> that That's needed worked on. But, um, but no, there, there was just such peace that God gave me along the way. And so the desire of my heart was that I would marry a man of God, that we would serve God, and that we would spend our life chasing after him. And so not only did I see the goodness of God in the life of my mother, Um, and in the life of my my dad, the the guy who is my dad now, not only did I see that changed and um, not only did I see my own life change and the goodness of God show up for me time and time again, but as I matured in age, I began to see the same goodness of God come through in my marriage and and with my children um and there's nothing more i think that a mother wants than to see her her kids serving god her kids loving god and not just serving him but to see the blessings of god upon their life and so there's just this thread that no matter how hard i um you know, no no matter how hard life hits me, I guess, whether it's with a a dysfunctional past or grandparents who I never knew because their lives were obviously so um, messed up, um, you know, whatever it is, there's this this thread that where there could have been evil and there could have been this mark, there could have been this scarring, there could have been um pain there could have been things that just would claw onto my back instead of that there's just this mark and and character of goodness the goodness of god that keeps overwhelming me time and time again and when when you and i have had trials and we've bumped into the things of life that haven't been good when my kids have bumped into things that have presented themselves as uh opportunities for anxiety or depression or, or even a scarring in their life to occur, it, it just amazes me that there is the goodness of God again showing up. And so for me to, to not believe in him would be absolutely ludicrous. Like I, I, there, there's just no way to escape it. One of my favorite scriptures, um, that I want to read to you, uh, is from Isaiah 54. Um, and it says in verse eleven, I'm going to read it in the message, verse eleven through seventeen, um, and really, God's talking here. Isaiah's talking here about God's covenant with Israel, who, who, who were his chosen people his chosen nation i feel like for me that i am his chosen as well so i always like to insert myself in the equation of the word so i've inserted myself here and it says this afflicted city storm battered and unpitied and i can look at at the beginning of this and i can go back to my mom's life and her dysfunction everything that she lived through i mean there was molestation there was rape there was teen pregnancy there was physical abuse verbal abuse um, I can go back to me being afflicted uh, through the stories of my fathers, just through life and what happened I, I can put myself here and I see I see what God has done in my life it says afflicted city storm battered and unpitied I am about to rebuild you I think even before I was born as I said God was up to something and he says I'm about to rebuild you with stones of turquoise lay your foundations with sapphires construct your towers with rubies your gates with jewels and all your walls with precious stones All your children will have God for their teacher what a mentor for your children you're going to be built solid grounded in righteousness far from any trouble nothing to fear far from terror it won't even come close if anyone attacks you don't you for a moment suppose that i sent them and if any should attack nothing will come out of it i create the blacksmith who fires up his forge and makes a weapon designed to kill i also create the destroyer destroyer but no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged Any accuser who takes you to court will be dismissed as a liar. This is what God's servants can expect. I'll see to it that everything works out to the best. This is God's decree. And for me, it's just been the story of my life. This scripture is literally the story of my life. Um, so I, I can't escape the fact that I have a good God. And, um, before I was even here, he began to put the wheels in motion that my life would be good. And so lines were drawn in the sand, um, back as far as, as when my mom was a little girl and she heard his voice. And for you today, the same thing can be possible and can be true. You can know him as a very good God, um, and he wants to write a story for you. So I've enjoyed nothing more than letting him write that story for you.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a great testimony. Yeah, I agree with you. It, you look at that, and I think what's funny in our home is is you're almost just the opposite of what would be expected. You know, the expected is always make excuses, always my past, my past. And yet the, the truth of it is, is you're just the opposite. You're the, there are no excuses. Right. Uh, Don't give me an excuse. You can press into God. You can serve God. As we get ready to partake of communion, you know, my heart has been over this period of time is not to try to convince you, but to at least get you to look into your life and ask the question of the reality of God, the reality of His resurrection. What Thomas said is you're more blessed if you believe you're more blessed right now than Thomas, who actually put his finger into Jesus' side and grabbed his hands. You're more blessed, which is a weird, weird thought, because we would think, how could I be more blessed when I've never seen him? As we get ready to take communion, I want to encourage you with this. Um, I go back and look at my faith. My faith started because somebody else believed, not because I believed. Uh, My faith started because my parents believed, and by being born into their home, And by osmosis, I picked up their faith. In in other words, the reality of their God became my reality. I didn't really have those experiences, but they had it, and to them it was true. So to me, it must be true because it's so true to them. And then as I grew up and I became a young man, I just began to say, God, I want to know if you're as real as they say you are, I want to know you. And I would just encourage you to pray that prayer. You know... Let's don't be too religious here. The reality of all of our faith is like Thomas, and it's like all the disciples. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew 4, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And that's the end result. Fishers of men is the 50 feet, right? That is the culmination of faith. But the following is oftentimes just a step of faith. Uh, Jesus didn't say, follow me and I'll give you this job. Follow me and I'll give you money. Follow me and I'll work all your life out. He just said, follow me and I'll make you into something. So the reality of Jesus working in your life has to start with you taking a step of faith. It's just you going, okay, I don't, maybe I don't know all the details of resurrection. Maybe I don't understand all of that. But I've got to take that step. Don't you know when he called Peter and Andrew and James and John and said, Hey, fellas, follow me? They had to go home and tell their wives, their family, We're going to go follow this carpenter that says he's the son of God. Don't you know their families are like, Are you ludicrous? You're going to leave your job. So I want to say this about reality of Jesus working in your life. You're just going to have to take a step of faith. You're going to have to just say, You know what? I'm just going to believe that Jesus is real. And they did. They took a step of faith. Now, in that step of faith, you can almost always guarantee two things are going to happen. When you step in faith and say yes to Jesus, here's what happens. Number one, you'll see some crazy supernatural things. God was working for you, and you didn't even expect it. But there's another thing you'll see that many people don't do well with, and it's this word called doubt. Uh, You know, we think we're bad because we doubt. I think it's just part of the process. It's part of the process of growing deeper with God as you come to this place going, is this real? Does it really work? Does it... But here's the beautiful thing about faith. The longer you're with God, faith stops being so introverted about me, 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 my... This so what they did, they just go back to their house and, and faith becomes much more about what all of the first early believers did. It wasn't any longer about them it was about other people and I think that's the true depth of faith and that's where I think we all need to be moving in our faith we may not be there yet but I think we all need to be moving far away from this very introverted narcissistic faith which says bless me fix me help me answer my prayers give me a better job and into more of a faith that says it's i'm so passionate about it i need to tell somebody and i think that's really you really understand you're growing in faith when your hunger for jesus is translated from me 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 to i got to tell somebody mm-hmm. because it's so real to me so right now where you are you know you've heard robin's story and you know she could have a thousand reasons of why she should reject God. Well, if God was so good, he wouldn't have let my first daddy leave me. If God was so good, he wouldn't have let my second daddy commit suicide. If God was so good, you see, she could do that. And a lot of people do. A lot of people, if God's so good, why is there evil? If God's so good, why did my daddy? If God's so good, why did my mama? And and that's that doubting Thomas of, and I love your story because you just kind of debunk the, well, if God's so good, then why? Mm-hmm. Because in the bad things that happened, you didn't see the abandonment of God. Right. You saw the reality of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I want to challenge you with today. Is that where you are, it's easy to say, God has abandoned me. Or no, God's going to be good to me. Right. And there is a period of time there where we could doubt. I'm sure there are period of times between... You know, your dad who left your mom, you really didn't know him, your birth dad to a five-year-old kid whose dad commits suicide, you could probably find times, I don't know if God's real or maybe good, but when you just hold on to faith and you press into Jesus and you hold on to Him, the goodness of God will show up so you may be even questioning now, if God is so good, then why did my children? If God is so good, why did my husband leave me? If God is so good, why did my husband commit suicide? Why did my wife die? Why, why, why? And, and then there's that reality of resurrection fate where you just got to reach out and go, you know what, rather than focusing on the hell and the problems and all... I'm just going to focus on what Robin read is supernatural, Uh, Isaiah 54, right? I encourage you to go read it today. Maybe when this is over, sit down with your kids, sit down with your husband, wife or yourself. Read it to yourself. I love what it said, it's the goodness of God. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Could you believe the scriptures? Are you going to be like all the disciples? Well, the Bible says it, but I don't know. I don't know if it's true for me. I think the word of the Lord to you right now is what, I didn't even know Robin was gonna read that scripture, but while she's reading it, I feel like the Lord said, no, Mark, that's where I wanna go. I want you to hold on to that because that's a word of the Lord for you. And I want you to rehearse it and write it and learn it and get it in your heart because when everything tanks and everything goes wrong, God is going to fight for you. God is going to stand for you and no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And in the end, the word of the Lord will prevail. And that's a guarantee of scripture. So I want you to take how the early disciples saw the scripture and said, well, I see the scripture say it, but it has to become a reality for me. So let's just start there. Do you know, before you can ever really own your 50 feet, He has to become a reality to you. And do you know what's standing in the way of reality? It's circumstances, it's excuses, and it's doubt. And you know what I say to that? Welcome to the club. Everybody who's believed in Jesus has had circumstances, excuses, and doubt. And I want to encourage you, die to them today. Die to the circumstances that pull you away. Die to the excuses and die to the doubt. And then do this. I want you to take Isaiah 54 and I want you to hold on to it. Would you just pull it back up again? And let's get ready to take communion. So if you'll get, uh, why don't you get Isaiah 54 out? I'll get it on my mine as well. And let's just all pull up Isaiah 54. And uh, man, I just really feel like this is a word of the Lord for... Uh, for our whole house. And, and I want you to get ready to partake of communion. And let me just start with verse 1. And I'll, I'll be quick with it. But, I, but just several things really, really, really touched my heart. Verse 1, sing, O childless woman. I love the fact that right off the bat, it's as if he says, there's no excuse here. You're a childless woman and you're going to sing? No, you need to whine, you need to complain. So as we get ready to take communion, I don't know what excuse you have, what circumstance you're facing, but I want you to believe for supernatural intervention. Sing, oh childless woman. In other words, let all that go. Let all the what ifs and the excuses go and release your faith that during this communion, the heavenly Father above is going to supernaturally move on your behalf to do something supernatural. Listen to it. Break into a loud and joyful song for the desolate woman now has more children. In other words, you have to expect fruit. You can't just sit around and look at the hell in your life and nothing good's ever going to happen. My prayer's never going to be answered. I've been praying for two years. Well, okay. Maybe you have a time of desolation. Maybe you feel childless in all of your faith right now, but sing. I mean, just... That, is, that has to be faith, right? Sing, O oh childless woman. It would, be, it would have read easier to go, Sing, O oh woman who's had no baby who's now pregnant. That's not what it said. It's a single childless woman. That's that step of faith. You have to take that step of faith first before you even see anything. And then I love how it ends. Let's just go all the way down to the very bottom because it's a beautiful the way it ends. It says in verse 17, Now listen and grab hold of this. It's so good. But in the coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You'll silence every voice raised up to accuse you. And here it comes as we get ready to take communion. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come to me. And I think here's how you really know the reality. We're talking about the reality of Jesus. And it ends this way. It says, for I, the Lord have spoken. How did it read into the message?
1: I see to it that everything works out. I see
0: to it that everything works out to your best. And I love the last one. It said, this is God's decree. So here it is. How do we start getting to a place of the reality of the resurrection? Number one, it's a step of faith. It's just a step. It's I believe regardless. I believe zero excuse. I believe, not going to blame it on my circumstances. It's I believe, and I'm not going to try to figure out why. And then it's, well, why would you believe that? And it's exactly what Robin said, because the scripture says so. The scripture tells me to do that, so I think that's the beginning of reality. If you go back, and I would you know challenge you to do this, if you read all of the ending of the Gospels, and almost every one of them Jesus says this, Don't you remember I told you this in Scripture? Don't you remember it was prophesied in Scripture? Don't you remember that Scripture said this about me? Don't you remember that it was written about me beforehand, that all these things would happen, and even tonight what we read in John was like, Oh, they remembered the Scripture was written. So the reality of the resurrection of people who've never touched and being more blessed because we believe anyway is you're going to have to get the Word of God out and start with, I believe it because it said. I believe it because the Word of God said it. And when you take that step of faith, you release heaven, you release power, you release miracles, you release the help of the Lord, and your life will be forever. I love what Robin said, set on a path to see the goodness and the reality of God. Hey, let's get ready to take communion if we will. I want to encourage you with something. you know, just weird times, uh, strange times, uh, trying to figure it out. But, but every day when I come to work here, I, I just pray on I-20, you know, I just spend some time thinking and on my prayer walks, kind of mulling over. And here's what I want to challenge you with. Uh, you know, it's kind of sad how many people believe, you know, in Jesus, but expect no supernatural intervention at all. Mm-hmm. There were supernatural things happening in your story before you even knew who Jesus was. Do you understand that about God? That He's working before you can even figure it all out. Mm -hmm. He's working His love out, His forgiveness out, His goodness out, even before you can understand it. That's how powerful He is. So as we get ready to partake of communion, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to say yes to faith. Jesus, I say yes to you. That may sound so shallow. You might have been, you've might been saved for years. And you're like, eh, that's, this is this? Yes, because every person has to come to this unfounded 100% certainty that he's real. Why? Because Scripture prophesied him to be real. He wrote it down for me. Isaiah, Zechariah, uh, you know, Jeremiah. These prophets prophesied and it became a reality. And now all these people who before us have stories and interventions and they I love the word you use, it got captured by God. Like His goodness, His mercy, His love, His forgiveness, His grace captured their heart and then they said, Okay, yes. And they said yes to it. So here's what I challenge you. Don't have any excuses. The circumstances, let them go. I don't know how many whys you have out there. I don't know how many little hanging prayers you've got, you know, that just they're not working or uh, I just really don't know. Why don't we start with exactly like the Apostles started. You're just gonna have to follow. You're going to have to follow before you know all the details. You're going to have to follow and say yes before you have all the prayers answered. You're going to have to say yes and follow. And when you do, the reality of Jesus begins to work. And that's where we're going in the next few weeks is that's just the door. But if you don't just really shut that door first, it's really hard to see the power of God in your 50 feet when your faith goes from a very personal faith to a very external fate, and your prayers begin to become prayers for other people. Your tears become tears for others who don't know Him. Your energy, your passion, your money, everything becomes about, and i got to get the gospel for people to know. It's a weird shift, And, and I think God's taking all of us, especially our church, I think He's taking our whole church from a very introverted, let's just come together to worship to know let's come together and let God use us. And I'm even praying that now, God, how do you want to use us for this generation in a very supernatural way? I said that to you a few weeks ago, God, give us something that we can really make a difference in our community here. Let's get ready to partake of communion. I bless you, Robin and I thank you. As we end with communion, I challenge your faith. Be bold, be strong, stand on the word of God in Isaiah 54 and let's see the Lord work. Amen. So Father, in Jesus' name, Robin and I gather around with all the family of believers who are gathered this morning, all the kids that are gathered around, Lord. I thank you that you take this message that we won't just believe in Jesus and be settled to just be at home. God, just like, you know, they just went home. They they heard the word, they went home. God, I pray that we would move into a place like Thomas to where It's more blessed to just believe even though we haven't seen. So in this moment of communion, Father, every circumstance. I just want to say this before we do it. If there's somebody that's hurt you, that's just done you dirty, uh, you know, man, like Robin said, just abandoned you, spoke evil of you, and you, you just have a litany of things that have happened because of other people. I just want right now where you are just to say, God, Man, I let them go. They don't owe me anything. I forgive them. That may be hard for you to say because they really did do you wrong. But God, I forgive them. And Lord, and here's the hard part. Let them see the goodness of God. I bless my enemy. Let them see the goodness of the Lord. So Father, as we take this communion now, we forgive anybody that's ever wronged us. They don't owe us anything. And Father, we receive your forgiveness. And all of us right now in this communion say yes to you. We say yes to following you, but greater than that, yes to using us. Make us fishers of men. Put a boldness in us to own our 50 feet for you. And we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message.